Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Welcome to episode number 341 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about how to double your tennis net play effectiveness. This is for singles players. This is for doubles players. It's for anybody who wants to be a better player at the net. And it'd probably be really easy to assume that the title is kind of clickbait or just trying to be hypey, but it's really not. If you're missing the element that we're going to talk about and focus in on today, which frankly most tennis players are based on my experience working with amateur level athletes of all different levels, most tennis players are missing this thing, and or they're doing it, but it's at the wrong time, which is exactly what was happening with the student in today's story. This is a critical mindset and also footwork shift that is going to really turn things around for you up at the net and help you cover a lot more ground up at the net. So recently, I was working with a student. I'm actually still working with this student remotely, where they send me footage of themselves practicing or playing matches. I give them feedback. I I create a plan for them to follow. And one of the things that we identified for them to improve was their movement up at the net. Now, this was in doubles, but again, I want to be really clear that the thing we're going to focus on today applies to singles just as much as it does doubles. If you want to be a solid net player, then this is a universal element that just has to be present. So as we were moving back and forth, they were sending me video footage, I was sending feedback, and we were communicating back and forth in that manner. It was abundantly clear that this person was really off balance, and they were just moving all over the place in an effort to trying to be relevant up at the net. And if you can put yourself in the shoes of a doubles player, this this person was trying hard to be in the way. They were trying hard to inject themselves into their points. They were trying hard to support their partner by being active and by cutting off shots. And so much so that they were actually jumping the gun. And frequently the ball would be hit in these practice sessions. And I set up, just to give you an idea of some of the drills that we were working on together, we had a ball machine hitting cross courts. Just imagine you're playing the net as a doubles player and your partner's back behind you on the deuce side. You're on the ad side up at the net. And there's a cross court ground stroke rally happening back and forth, back and forth, uh, deuce side baseline to deuce side baseline. And so your job as that net player is to try to put yourself in the middle of that cross-court rally. And it doesn't necessarily have to mean like a a clean, like all-out poach and like run across the side of the net, but at least make an effort to be involved and at least make an effort to make things uncomfortable for the other team over on the other side. So a practice drill we set up to work on this, and there were specific footwork patterns that were supposed to be worked on. And we had a ball machine hitting a cross-court shot, from the deuce side back behind this person and hitting cross court to the other deuce side. And then a partner over on the other side was hitting either cross court or down the line. And my student's job was to follow a particular footwork pattern, respond to the shot that was being hit by the live person right in front of them, down the line from them, the the person on the deuce side over on the other side, and then do their best to intercept the ball. 
So whether it was a down-the-line shot where the player was trying to hit down their alley or a cross-court shot that was just kind of a normal cross-court rally ball, my student's job was to be balanced and poised and use very specific footwork patterns to get themselves prepared and then pounce on whatever ball was hit, whether it was cross-court or down the line. And the goal was to just stretch their ability to intercept more and more and more shots. And we worked up to this, by the way. There was a series of progressions for a while. They knew whether the ball was going cross-court or down the line. But any time that we introduced the variable of not knowing where the ball was going, all of a sudden, kind of all mayhem would, would break loose. If they knew where the ball was headed, then they looked super athletic and balanced and poised, and they were cutting off the ball, hitting great volleys. But as soon as we took out that variable, and as soon as there was a question mark about where the ball was going, all of a sudden, they were moving in the exact wrong direction. They were moving in the right direction, but kind of running right into the ball. And the ball was like coming right at their head. All of a sudden, they would have to duck out of the way at, at the last minute. There, there was like all of a sudden, there was no balance. There was no poise. There was no athleticism. It was just kind of like random movements. And the ball was going in random places. They were going in random places. And there's this complete disconnect between what the ball was doing and what they were doing. And so why was this happening? Why was everything just kind of becoming a mess when they didn't know where the ball was going? Well, there's a really specific reason why. And after kind of breaking things down frame by frame, I finally discovered that the split step timing this person was using was much too early. In other words, they were touching down well before contact was being made by the person on the other side of the court. And then in an effort to try to cover absolutely the entire side of the court, they would just kind of pick a side and go for it. In other words, this, my student was just essentially making a guess. And so, yes, they would close forwards just the way I instructed them to. Yes, they would split step exactly the way I instructed them to. But the timing was so early that the choice was either like stand there statically after the split step, wait for the ball, and then have to basically start their momentum all over again, which completely negates the whole point of the split step. Or they would finish their early split step and just kind of go someplace and then see where the ball would go. And if they were right, then awesome. But what are the chances, honestly, just think about it, what are the chances of being exactly right about where the ball is going on any given shot by that baseline player? The reality is next to nothing. Do you know how many square feet of space you and your partner have to cover on your side of the doubles court? It's 1,400 square feet of space, 1,400 square feet of space on your entire side of the court. And so your odds of putting your body, I mean, what, when you stretch your arms out, you cover what, five, six feet from side to side, you know, your, your total like wingspan. So we're talking 36, you know, square feet is kind of what you inhabit just standing in any one spot. That's 36 square feet out of 1,400 square feet. Now you can make the argument that you really just have to kind of worry about the, the width as that net player. It's not so much you have to cover the entire court, but you're just trying to interject yourself and make some kind of play at the ball. And there's a certain amount of truth to that. 
But that's still a huge amount of space. I think it's off the top of my head. I didn't look this up ahead of time. I believe it's 39 feet from sideline to sideline in the doubles court. I'm pretty sure that's right. 39 feet of space. And it only takes the ball a second at most to, to go from the returner to the net position. So you, in order to try to be in the perfect spot, you have to try to guess. And long story short, that's what my student was doing is they were making a guess and if, if one out of 10 times they were correct, then they looked great on that one time. But the other nine, it was just mayhem. And it was just kind of chaos for them because they were moving either in complete wrong direction or they were running right into the ball or it just didn't line up the way that they were hoping. So the adjustment here, and this is where you can double your effectiveness. A, you need to be split-stepping. And the majority of you listening, now listen, Listeners of this show are elite amateur tennis players. They are elite amateur athletes. You, if you're listening to my voice right now, you take the game much more seriously than your average player. So the chances of you split-stepping are much higher than average. I would guess this listenership is probably about 50-50. And I'm basing that based on what I see in our clinics. When fans of what we do show up and, and work with us in person, it's about 50-50, and that's way higher than it used to be. When I first started publishing content, it was maybe 25% of people were, were split-steppers, and even that was high. When you go and just kind of take a, a little um, observation test of your local courts, you'll see that across the board, it's very rare to see split-steps, and split-steps are absolutely essential to being a good net player. But how you time them is just as important as actually doing it. So what totally changed everything for my student was actually split-stepping later. And the best possible time to make your split-step when it's not a planned poach in doubles is, and I'll explain that in just a second, is you want your feet to touch down right as you visually identify where the ball is going. And that's going to be a little after contact is made by your opponent or your partner over on the other side. And that means that the energy that you've gathered, you've kind of lifted and kind of unweighted yourself, uh, and you've, maybe the balls of your feet have lifted off the court a little bit, you can use that dynamic energy to then flow in the direction the ball is headed, to the right or to the left, or getting out of the way of the ball if it's coming right towards you. That only happens if you precisely time the touching down of the balls of your feet with exactly when you identify where the ball is going. So if you're timing your split step with before the ball is hit, like my student was doing, then you're just kind of, you're going to be moving in random directions and then reading where the ball is going afterwards. And then it's too late. Then, in fact, you've, you've committed your body's momentum. You've committed energy in a certain direction. And now after you've read where the ball is headed, you've got to more than likely have to shift that energy someplace else. And so it's actually a big waste of energy. Whereas when you time your split step correctly, it actually helps your body's weight and momentum flow effortlessly in the direction that the ball is headed. So it seemed counterintuitive to her because she, she was thinking to herself, oh, I've got all this court I've got to try to cover. And so I need to use, I need to get moving as soon as possible. But the reality was it was putting my student out of position and right behind the eight ball in their points and making it very, very difficult for them to be in the right spot at the right time. Caveat here, by the way, if you're a doubles player, 
if this is a planned poach where you and your partner have planned ahead of time and said, listen, I'm going to hit my serve and I'm going to cover your side. You're going to cover my side. Okay, one, two, three, break. And then you know ahead of time, okay, I'm, I've got to get to the other side of the court. In that instance, you're going to go ahead and move before the ball is hit by that returning player. And so timing there is different. But when it's not planned and it's just you're kind of on freelance up at the net, then it's critical that you don't sell out too early. And that's what my student was doing, was they were selling out and either saying, okay, I'm gonna, I think they're going to cover the alley, I'm going to go left. Or, oh, I think they're going cross court, I'm going to go right. And chances were they weren't going to be exactly right, which put them in a really awkward, compromised position. So the key to doubling your net play effectiveness is split-stepping, number one, and number two, timing your split-step perfectly this takes practice. This will not happen. Just because you've heard this explanation, if you had some kind of epiphany while you heard my, my words just now, please don't think that that means you're going to go out there and just do it magically. You have to train this. And my student who I'm talking about, it's taken them time. They're, they look incredible now, very balanced, super athletic, whereas before it was, it was just kind of a mess and mayhem and no balance at all, and very few shots were being made. Now they're pouncing on shots and reaching shots that they had no chance of getting before, but that takes time, and it takes commitment, and it takes work and effort to find just the right timing so that when you're touching down, you can flow that kinetic energy in the right direction. And it kind of happens smoothly and seamlessly without having to stop and start again and force your energy or your momentum in a certain direction. Hopefully that makes sense. If you put this into practice, I promise you it's going to make a huge difference whether you're a singles player or a doubles player. If you're a singles player, you've got the whole singles court to cover. This is absolutely make or break. If you're not split-stepping or you're split-stepping at the wrong time, then you're just not covering the net and covering those passing shots as effectively as you could be. So thanks for listening today. I appreciate you. Hopefully this is helpful to you. Go put it into play. And I can't wait to hear about the difference that it makes in your game. For more free game-improving instruction, be sure to check out EssentialTennis.com, where you'll find hundreds of video, audio, and written lessons. Also, be sure to subscribe to Essential Tennis on iTunes and YouTube, where we are the number one resource in the world, providing passionate instruction for passionate tennis players. Thank you so much for listening today. Take care, and good luck with your tennis.